So like, I was on my way to work the other day and on the side of the road, man, uh, uh, one of the beggars, they're, they're common here. Oh yeah. He had on the same shirt that I have and that you have, the WrestleMania 6 shirt. Yeah. That we all more than likely got from Target or Walmart. And I can't wear that shirt anymore. It's it be it has become a pajama top at that point. It's just you know, you had to see the way the it, it didn't have the full letters on there. Uh you know, Macho Man looked like Jim Ross, fucking <laughs> Ultimate Warrior looked like Zangif. And yesterday's prices, you know what they say about a man. So it just yeah, I mean, a lot a of those Target shirts, though, I have the same problem, but I'll see it on, like, somebody who just visually looks like a complete D-bag, and I'm like, oh, they have the That'll same That'll ruin shirt. it, too. Yeah, yeah. you know. So the price I had, just went down. I haven't worn my WrestleMania shirt with that, if you've noticed, just because, I mean, I've seen a lot of people wearing it, and I was like, eh. The, the exact same one. It's like, yeah. oh, man, I'm not as special. That's the but, feeling you get. So I've retired that and I have a Venom shirt that's also like a PJ or workout top where it's just like too many like fat guys eating nachos or just wearing this. And it's just like, I guess, you know, I still have trash taste, but I you got to retire some of those. So I get it. I've never said maybe I've seen a homeless guy wear something. I'm probably have. I shop at Target quite a bit. So, yeah, it's got to be more selective. Find those niche t-shirts yeah. oh they only sell i've only seen this one at this location target yeah he'll never make his way over I, here i don't uh, see it, nobody wearing this mario kart shirt steve so i'm gonna keep it, rocking it and is that tarjay i think it is if it's not tarjay it's old navy old navy also has a lot Ooh. see that's the thing we're getting to the age where everybody has 90s tops so go to your old navy steve I you might find some and i see less people wearing old navy shit maybe oh, because yeah. it falls apart you know a month after you start wearing it but it is what it is yeah they not fly they're not as fly as mario kart i'd rather wear anything than old navy um even that wrestlemania shirt again yeah i mean i'll, I'll i'm gonna rock it at some point i mean it's got the warrior on it steve it's not your fault that a homeless guy has great taste you know yeah, what i'm saying I, mean, I, I salute him in his efforts but still I saw I just, one time I, I, you know, I don't like to invest a lot in shoes, Steve. I, I have a very stupid taste when it comes to shoes. I like a white tennis shoe because it goes with everything. Maybe even an Air Force One because that's what I grew up with. But um, I see a lot of people that have better shoes than me. And in L.A., I would see a lot of homeless people that were rocking like really nice J's. And I'd be like wearing Target white shoes. So you lose. But it's just 
it's good to treat yourself every now and then to a fresh pair of J's. They don't have to be J's, but if you got some retros, yeah, you remember the Jason kids with the bubbles on the side? Those were pretty Ooh, dope. That's, I don't remember. Oh, I remember, dude, Michael Jordan. I think they were Jordans because when I was, before I even came to Perrysburg, when I was like eight, my buddy Alex yeah. had these like turquoise Nikes. They were the most insanely colored shoes. There was like turquoise and purple maybe, like pretty close to Charlotte Hornets colors. Maybe throw in some Jordan. orange. Okay, I, I think you, are you talking about the Jordans? They had, did they have flaps? Like they might have. I just remember the color palette. It might have been Jordans. It might have been these. These, uh, like, but instead, like, yeah, I think like, so, dude. Because, like, I have the red and black, but like the ones that I really wanted were the ones you're talking. Those are my favorite Jordans ever, and I had those in fourth grade. Uh, those were like the Jordan. I man, don't have me lying to you, man. But though they promoted it with Bugs Bunny and Marvin the Martian, and that like the the color scheme was just so fucking dope, man. They, it was purple and turquoise and black, um, and then at the bottom, the sole, it, it matched that too, man. You know, yep, just like those are the ones matches, I'm talking you know. about, dude. Because this kid's dad owned like a car dealership, and I just remember being little, like, man, yeah. I I, I want to get those. And then we went to the shoe store to get them, and my mom's like. I'm not paying a hundred dollars for shoes. It was like here's the Gordons. Here's some Asics. Here, yeah. like oh, the coolest shoe I ever. I had two cool shoes, Steve. Pumps, because I I demanded them when Shaq was you know in his heyday. I demanded those are that. the best. I enjoyed them. I didn't I, yeah. until they got to where you had to buy like the Huff pack, like the Nitro pack. It was that was stupid. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. But I also had nobody gives this guy these credit, and I maybe they're lame, maybe they're lame. Yeah. But I had some Grand Hill Fila's with like the patent leather like thing. Everybody had those. I, I didn't get them because I've been loyal to Nike as if I was in a contract with the fuckers. But like, yeah, everybody had both the Grand Hills. There were those, and then there was the ones that had like the um, the, the ones before it. His because uh, you're talking about the second ones. They had like patent leather along the side. Yeah, yeah. They had yeah, the yeah. small F. Yeah, dude. I just remember putting those on because I was in like basketball and going to like practice and being like. Yeah, everyone's going to respect me now. Fuck it. <laughs> Just putting them on like, hey, you guys see these? Like, putting them out there real. <laughs> you're, you're doing no-look passes around the back and shit. Uh, he's looking basketball. Dude, I used to, I don't, I used to Did love shoes, but I couldn't, nobody would ever buy them. I couldn't get like the expensive ones. So I'd just be like, I'd get like two year ago, awesome shoes, but it was never like the good shit, you know? Well, now, now that you're a working man, every now and then you can treat yourself. I, I'm not a shoe connoisseur, but you know, if I did, I, I would definitely love to go back in the nineties, man. Get some pennies, get the old shacks, uh, the, the first Allen Iversons. And I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even a Reebok guy, but those are the two Reeboks I would fuck with. The first Allen Iversons, the first Shaqs, fucking top tier. Starberries. <laughs> and see, just I just like, remember when those came out and everybody's like, dude, it's like a $10 pair of shoes. I was like, this is not uh, what you want to I put your why. brand on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're right next to the WrestleMania shirts. Dude, you can get them at Diggs. Starberries, bro. <laughs> Oh, I'm too fat to play basketball, but uh, I'm not going to buy it. So. Yeah, and I, I remember them being kind of like a ripoff of, of some other popular shoe of its time. Oh, yeah. Of course they were. 
it was a ten dollars shoe. I mean, they couldn't put any any money into anything. They were like, "What? Okay, I saw a shoe here. Let me draw it out for you, real quick." I, I do say though, I, I applaud the reason why they so they're so affordable. I mean, the same thing for the shacks. Like the the current shacks that he's had in the last decade, you, those are available at Walmart, and it's so that people of lower income can afford shoes for their children. And he would do those with the shacks, like they would be ripoffs of something like, uh, like maybe a Jordan brand, but it'd be off and it would have a shack emblem. Um, and so he gets it. He's from the struggle. He got it out the mud, man. Uh, so I salute him to that. But still, those shoes are fucking ugly. That's why we work. Bro. That's why we <laughs> all work, do all man. due respect, yeah. Stefan, but the shoes ugly. Unsure. Sure. Unsure. Sure. Unsure. When dryness really counts, be sure to be dry. Sure Solid has the most effective wetness fighting ingredient you can buy. For dryness, no one can beat. So you're either sure or unsure. Sure. Unsure. Be sure to be dry. Boys and girls, this is Steve G and Matt G with Happen in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happen in the 90s. So get out your Flavor Flav clocks and your Ninja Turtle PJs, because <laughs> I think I'm losing my mind this time, this time. I'm losing my mind. That's right. Said I think I'm losing Damn, my son, mind. Damn, son, where'd you find this? this? I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can't front on that. <laughs> Dude, I love your intros, bro. Steve, do you come out? Is this written down anywhere? Are you just popping these off the dome? Uh, gives people a little inside baseball here. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I, I try to get tighter with the system, make it all match within the, the, the grand scheme of the episode. You know, it, it's it's like putting puzzles together, Matt. And, and I'm a jigsaw person. Crosswords and all of that. I'm yeah. a jigsaw person. I, I like that, yeah, man. I, I grew up with my grandma putting them jigsaws together. Oh, we got a Ninja Turtle puzzle. Did we get it, Grandma? Dude, I love me some puzzles back in the day, Steve. Mm-hmm. Never good. I, I'm the guy that gets really like irritated with it and just sort of gives up on it pretty early. But still, I love me a puzzle every once in a while. Uh, crossword puzzles and they say that uh you know it, it helps to get old nod in here keeps you sharp on weed steve have you ever done a crossword puzzle on weed i don't know any other way <laughs> well today my friend we are talking about all things april 21st in the 90s hmm. 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 starting off in 1990 Saturday Night Live is airing the episode with musical guest the B-52s with host Alec Baldwin for the first time. I love, do you like the guy from the b 52 Steve? Do you think that guy talks like that all the time? Hey, guy that talks like this all the time. Well, you he put my penis does. in your mouth right now, please. Hey, and uh, I'm gonna bust. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Very hard to, I hope very, so. Very hard to be around, I'm sure. 
if that yeah, was like shut case. up dude like talk like uh, i have cancer please like talk to me i can't process my emotions i'm sorry this is heartbreaking <laughs> even when i'm sad <laughs> this is my sad voice you know this season uh is also the first time christopher walken and we actually covered that episode and john goodman so a lot of first in this 89 90 season for snl um there's a skit called only in new york where uh it's the late great phil hartman uh he's playing some like old like new yorky dude and his wife is played by nora dunn and he's just rattling off these one-liner jokes man um I was looking for the image for it. There you go. Uh. <laughs> it, like you can just tell from the picture, man. Like he's just—he's got this cigar in his mouth, and he's just rattling off these one-liners in in this old New York accent. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> that don't even look like Phil. That's crazy looking. Yeah, you goddamn broads. He looks like oh, he talks like this. Yeah. It, <laughs> Well, the, the monologue, it's uh, George Bush played by Dana Carvey, man, and he's got these marijuana eye drops. And if, if some of it like falls into his mouth, I'm like, dude, that is that a thing? Marijuana eye drops? I, I'll try it. I'm in. It, like, to me, the funniest skit is uh, John Lovitz. He's pushing this uh, nude talk show. And Alec Baldwin plays like the executive at the network at NBC. And, you know, he green lights it and just the little clips of his talk Ooh. show, it's basically <laughs> him just asking them every everyday questions. So it's just like, what do you think of colors? And they're just like nonchalantly sitting around <laughs> just naked, just like they're cool. Can I? So the guy with the beard in the picture behind you, that's John Lovitz. That's John Lovitz in character. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, Looking right <laughs> down the pipe. <laughs> oh, he looks like a Greek rapist in this. <laughs> I don't know why they selected this look for him in this skit. I don't know if it's supposed to parody something. Looks like he um, plays in like Chicago or some shit. Like he's <laughs> like Serpico or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hell yeah. Also, I hate to just piggyback off this, Steve, but I heard a hilarious SNL-related story. Um, Molly Shannon uh, from a later cast uh, was yeah. talking about her early years in Hollywood and how her agent somehow like put her in a in a hotel room with Gary Coleman himself. Yeah, and she was green. She was young, you know, trying to make get an opportunity. Don't and apparently, Gary was just a sexual, just like predator on her, climbing her like a jungle gym. Uh, she's throwing him around. I mean, what she described was hilarious, but the most creepy and funniest part was she ran away from him in like this big suite, right? She yeah. goes into a, the bathroom. Gary is on the other side of the door going, I see you and putting his ha little hands under the door, dude. <laughs> like, how funny and how terrifying is that? It's just insane. What you talking about, Molly? Yeah. Give, me, give me some pussy. Give me some pussy, Molly. <laughs> he was like jumping on the bed and like into her arms and shit. It's like, what kind of a fucking, <laughs> what is this? 
dude that is fucking hilarious like <laughs> i saw that and i'm just trying to envision this four foot eight dude he's who's probably like the, the size of a chucky doll it's like what a, i mean why why wasn't that parody she like was telling Chucky, it to Howard Stern, and Howard Stern was just like every once in a while when she'd say one of the like parts, he'd be like, "You just hear him go, <laughs> just laughing his ass off." I mean, just the fact that oh. even she was laughing, and it was to me, I was just sort of like really comical because she's talking about like getting sexually like harassed, basically in a really intense way, but it's like a circus story she's like he was jumping around on the bed and then i had to throw him like a little fucking like bouncy ball and shit it's hilarious <laughs> by this miniature man apparently gary coleman little handsy steve and that's a double entendre because he was little handsy and he was a little, little. oh <laughs> sean carter i know you're watching <laughs> uh we ghost right too and like oh my god dude he would have loved to be on this sketch, Steve, this little nudist sketch. And that would have been hilarious, too. Gary Coleman on the nudist guys or whatever they called that. <laughs> Gary Coleman had a difficult time getting laid. And that's just unfortunate when you're that big of a star and bitches still don't want to fuck you. Well, <laughs> you got to look at it on the opposite side. You're basically you're getting fucked by a little kid. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like dude, he should have worked out. I don't know, like if that was difficult for his because of his health complicated, like maybe it would have helped. Uh, you know, get some muscles like your height. This is where you're going to be, kid. Sorry. You got the money, yeah. dude. So like even Vern up. Troyer yeah. was walking around with some hot tail before he died. Rest in peace. Yeah. All two foot hook. Shit. I mean, I think, like he, at least he was like bulky for his uh, uh, infant size. Uh, now, on that same day, 1990, April 21st, the uh, cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, a special program warning children about the danger of drugs and featuring characters from several Saturday morning children shows is simultaneously simulcast. Um, I think we covered this last year, but maybe the dates were mixed up. Um, it's absurd uh, watching this while on the weeds as an adult. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, I didn't give a fuck because it was everybody. It had Ghostbusters, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Alf, uh, the Garfield's Smurfs. up in this shit too. Everybody's Garfield, Bugs Bunny. Uh, <laughs> it was like, like the Avengers for Saturday morning cartoon. Even I think Aladdin's in the shit. I even think I see his magic carpet behind you. It, it's very odd seeing some of your favorite cartoon characters uh, become dare officers. That's essentially what all of this is. Uh, Donatello's popping up. No, bro, you don't want to smoke crack. You want pizza. Take it from me. A lot of people dump crack down the sewer. And I had I did experiment. <laughs> My thing is like as an adult though, it's kind of funny because like, you know, we like some we like a nice toke of weed every once in a while or every five it. minutes. And when you watch it in that mind state, it's almost like a a commercial for how good weed is because it makes me just want to smoke a little more i'm like man this is just only going to get better at this point so oh, but not crack though they 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 were smoking crack in the in this episode or this cartoon um it, it was very odd man i mean like one of the villainous characters was this like willow this this cloud of smoke and he had like sunglasses he's just like yeah you want to smoke some of that don't you all the cool kids are doing it smoke some of that crack baby and then here comes Garfield. I'm like, no, you don't. I don't want to smoke any crack, Mr. Crack. You yeah, want you some do. lasagna, right, Odie? 
Yeah, he's just offer. He's like, "Why have crack when you can have this nice piping hot pan of lasagna?" Yeah, great Garfield, by the way. Uh, now, 1991, greatest extra inning comeback occurred when Pittsburgh, your Pirates, score six in the bottom of the eleventh, erasing a five-run Cub lead. Because fuck the Cubs, the Pirates also trailed seven and two in the bottom of the ninth. That's good old Bonilla and Bonds, man. I was going to say that Andy Van Slyke probably had a couple. Van, yeah. Van, was it Van Slyke? Van Slyke? I don't know. Uh, I, I believe it was Van Slyke. But, I mean, this is, I'm, I keep saying it. I have these distant, foggy memories of the Pittsburgh Pirates when just stacked. Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, that's all you really need. But they had some other hitters, and they were killing it. But every time that they got even a whiff of the World Series fucking johnny smoltz and the fucking braves would walk in and just just crush their hopes and my child of like hopes so those sons of bitches but this is when barry bonds dude barry bonds before the roids and the, it, it inflated his head and his body he he had this cool fucking like cross earring he used to rock he was just like a cool looking dude back in the day and he didn't look like somebody had like you know put an air pump in him and pumped him up a little bit now he looks weird very big potato he is yeah but that bobby bonilla man he he's collecting checks until what 2032 or some crazy shit i mean we talked about that too dude i mean that guy whoever if it's if it was him you went to a good business school and if it wasn't you i want to know who the business manager was that came up with that because i would like him to help me with my finances it's got to be one doesn't alan iverson have something like that too does he I think maybe he put away a sum of money that he doesn't get until he gets to a certain age. Like he got it, you know, he had many massive paychecks. Maybe he put a bunch aside that he's not touching. And maybe that's what the story was. But I mean, regardless, Bobby Bonilla, the dude will be getting paid a million dollars. Isn't it a million dollars every year? Like until he's dead? Until he's, oh, it's until it's for life. I don't know. I thought it was I think maybe it's probably there is probably an end date, but I mean the motherfucker hasn't played baseball since the nineties. Yeah. So you give me a million dollars a year, Steve, just to sit on my ass, I will do fine with that. I will do great. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. I've subsisted on six thousand dollars a year. I think I can make a million work. You know. You know, somebody who probably wasn't watching this uh comeback with the greatest extra inning comeback of all time was russell maryland he was the first pick in the nfl draft out of the university of miami he's a defensive tackle picked by the dallas cowboys did jerry make a good call steve because i don't remember russell maryland at all russell maryland he was a starter on just about all of those super bowl teams and uh this 91 draft it's got some hitters it's got keenan mccardle merton hanks ben coates Brian Cox, your boy, Yancey Thickpin, mm-hmm. uh, Ricky Waters, Ed McCaffrey, uh, one of my favorite wide receivers who probably won't be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Herman Moore uh, wasted a lot of time in Detroit. Eric Turner, Eric Swan. Um, Rocket Ismail was supposed to be drafted in this, uh, but he ended up picking the CFL with the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, he would eventually come back after two years and play for the Raiders uh, who actually drafted him like in the fourth round, despite him saying, I'm going to the CFL. He was that good. Uh, you know, the NFL team was just like, fuck it. We'll take our chances. He, he's going to come back to America sometime. 
I wonder why he made that call. Like, I wonder what the uh, decision making was. Oh, the uh, contract. It, it was ma- he was making more at the time than actual NFL players. I believe uh, it was about four point one eight million a year. Um, and he got he got that for two years. They they won the CFL Super Bowl or whatever you call their level of championship. Um, he he won one of those years and then came back. He's like, I I did what I needed to do. Um, Hell yeah, dude! Fuck yeah, I like to. That's that's awesome too. He made some extra money right away and then came back and still got to play in the NFL. I rem- I mean, Rocky Bishmel, that dude was a beast. He was fast as shit. So yeah, and uh, <clears throat> played for Notre Dame. Uh, now this NFL draft had 18 picks from the Cowboys. This is the the building block that, that kind of set the tone for the 90s. Russell Maryland, Larry Brown, Tony Bowles, Sean Love, who was a Penn State guard, uh, Damon Mays, Leon Lett, Mike Sullivan, Derek Brownlow, Kevin Harris, Tony Hill, Bill Musgrove, Kervin Edwards, or Kervin Richards, Eric Williams, uh, Godfrey Miles, Kelvin Pritchett, and Alvin Harper. Damn, they um, had that many picks. God damn, that's a lot. Hey, Jimmy Johnson was going to work, man. Um, it has two Hall of Famers in this draft. Want to guess who they are? There was a white guy you said his name, and I Musgrove. Is that guy in there? No. No? I don't know, Steve. Uh, Enos Williams out of Southern, and a, a fella by the name of... Uh, Brett Favre from Southern Mississippi. Uh, the the <laughs> guy Favre. Favre, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy selected right before Brett Favre is Mike Jones. <laughs> Literally, that's his name. Mike Jones. What? Brett Favre, though. I don't know, Steve. I don't like hearing that name. I don't like me a Brett Favre. I don't like Brett I, Favor. Yeah, I, I can't stand me Brett Favor. Fuck that weird, like, knee brace he's trying to hawk. I'm not buying it, Brett. And I didn't know this. Uh, Buster Mathis, he replicated this same picture when he got drafted. (laughs) But he was wearing an Oklahoma shirt, and there was a guy sitting on the edge of the bed, just like that, wearing the same shirt. All, like everything was replicated and he and uh brett farber he gave him he gave buster a call because he thought that was just so cute get off his jock buffter or whatever the fuck <clears throat> well he might have replicated the picture but the career uh more of a Not jamarcus so ruckles jamarcus russell feel to this point and uh, a little fun fact also, in round 11, the Los Angeles Rams selected Terry Crews, linebacker from Western Michigan. OG, triple OG. Best cities man. in the game, Steve. Man, that Tupac, man. Thug life, man. All lies on you. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember when he traps Cat Williams in the, in yeah. the back? <laughs> oh, they, they call you, you magic. Look magically delicious. <laughs> You look magically delicious to me. <laughs> oh my god! Pimp down. I'm a boy, Damon. <laughs> now, 1992, Beastie Boys released their album "Check Your Head," and uh, it has "Pass the Mic," "So What You Want," "Gratitude," "Professor Booty," and "Jimmy James." It's very jazzy. Uh, a lot of instrumental. 
that kind of endeared them to the festival crowds in the 90s, the Lollapaloozas and the, the Woodstocks and whatnot. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's, it's a change of pace from their license to Ilbe's, uh, very melodic. Um, they, they started becoming more musicians, which I appreciate, man. It's, hit that hit that blunt that joint man turn on some check your head and you can jam out and at the same time they got tracks where they're spitting um so what you want one of my favorite beastie boys tracks man <clears throat> i came into them later in life but yeah dude I, I mean i this is some of the only white rap that i can listen to and it's i, I don't know i feel like sort of some shade has been thrown on them like now it doesn't oh. seem like people respect them as much i've heard i've heard a lot of people talk about rap and talk about these guys and like it's kind of cheesy it was kind of this it's like they were some of the first i think a lot of the no, dude. well you must be around assholes it's not people i know it's just like when you're on youtube and you hear people talking about music and shit i heard people yeah. saying this on like uh drink champs and shit like that like it wasn't nori oh. but it was somebody like that and i was like man that's kind of fucked up but well i like me some beastie boys no, BC Boys are legends, man. And whoever was on Drink Champs talking shit, man, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because BC Boys, like, they walked so Marshall could run. And even Marshall, he will tell you himself, like, dude, they're a huge influence. They're a huge influence to a lot of black rappers, man. Um, and the fact that they involved instruments um, later down the line. Well, they started off as a punk band. Yeah. And yeah, they had man, a really it, different vibe back when they were, you know, they were like young punky oh. fucking like shit talking yeah. white kids from brooklyn and shit and uh i mean i don't even remember when me and jordan would be hanging out watch you know playing video games and shit in college they had that um to the five boroughs album that came out that was like one of their i think it was like right before uh one of them died mca r.i.p yeah. yeah um and uh that one was a I like that shit i don't know if everybody that was like widely accepted as an album that is in the like a good album but i remember fucking banging the fuck out of that shit it, it is man um and i mean i had their anthology i don't know if you remember sounds of science it was a double disc and it just chock full of good shit all of their best shit man um so shout out to the beastie boys man ad rock mike d mca check 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 it out now, on that same day, 1992, Robert Alton Harris is put to death in California gas chamber for three murders. Yikes. Yeah. He looks like he's guilty, Steve. I don't want to judge a book by his cover, but he's looking, he's, he looks kind of like me and I don't like that. No, he doesn't, Matt. Um, yeah, I do have the same mustache, though. Uh, now, July 5th, 1978, Harris and his younger brother com commandeered a car occupied by two 16-year-old boys, and they ordered them to drive to a remote area, then killed them. The brothers then used the car as their getaway car and when they robbed a bank in San Diego. He was arrested less than an hour after the robbery and charged with murder, auto theft, kidnapping, burglary, and bank robbery. One of the arresting officers, Steve Baker, was the father of one of the murdered boys, but did not realize the victim was his son until later. Harris was convicted and sentenced to death on March 6, 79. After a series of appeals and stays of execution, he was executed finally, April 21st, 1992. Man, I bet that bitch. dad, when he found out that, that his son was like the got murdered by that guy, he was like, <clears throat> I want him dead. I could have yeah. gotten him right then and there when I arrested his ass. I could have just shot his dead. That's fucking crazy, though. And that the gas chamber, we actually talked about the movie Fallen yeah. last week. And in that movie, they have like a pretty like 
long execution in the beginning of it in a gas chamber and i always just thought like of all the it's such a strange to be who came up with that like whoever designed that pod thing that's behind you i it's just bizarre that there's a legitimate person that's not a criminal that came up with a room that you'd lock people in i know it's probably you know i'm putting a lot of sinister thought behind it but it's just weird that there's a guy who designed that and i find that very odd well capital punishment has been around for ages man so you know you think over time they find so many ways to like uh they're like we gotta we gotta make this better guys we gotta figure out and an odd thing i just read like i think yesterday there's I I don't know what state it is, but there's a guy who I think it's lethal injection and he's up for to get killed. And he's like, nah, I don't want that. I want to have a uh, firing squad and they're going to do it. I, I can't remember which state it was. Uh, I, I hope it's not Virginia or Georgia. I hope, like I ain't committing I that just... level of crime, Steve. I mean, I might I might steal a. A, like a pack of gum every once in a while just to get the juices flowing but you know i'm not i'm not like that <laughs> I, if i was a bed man i'd say florida or texas um oh yeah but man a firing squad that's wild like who do you hire to fire the fucking gun who's that guy <laughs> it should be volunteers if, like, yeah, if just like a redneck somebody, like i'll fucking do that shit it should be the family it's like if you murder, if it was for murder, like, you know, some like, hey, get the brother, maybe the dad's still alive, the uncles, shit. Maybe the mom wants a lick or two. All of them. Um, Let them, you know, that, I mean, that's actually eye for an eye, Steve. I like that idea. Let's put that in there. I like that. Might be on to something. Now, that following year, 93, Walker, Texas Ranger has his debut, One Riot, One Ranger. Among the issues Walker has to deal with include a new partner named Trevette, a group of men terrorizing a circus family who camp out at his home, and some bad guys who plan on an ultimate bank caper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, we've covered a lot of Walkers, Steve, and, uh, you know, I think we've widely said how cheesy of a show it is, but the first Walkers, I mean, in terms of cheese... I, I'm just now learning about your distaste for Trev Norris. So you're just like, man, he's a basic ass bitch. I don't see it. I, I don't, still like I mean, Trev it's Norris. like, I, I think about every, think about every martial arts movie, Steve. And I mean, I get it. Everybody, there's not a lot of good acting in, in 90s and 80s action movies or even 70s. I don't remember yeah. when Chuck Norris became famous, but it was probably like in the 70s. And it's, it, it's just the fucking the cheese level, the cornball like goody two like this is a dare officer who learned karate and became this. You know, it's like I don't want to see this. I don't I don't I want like my guy smoking a cigarette, getting up, taking a shot of Jack because his whole family got killed because he botched some investigation and he's all fucked up. I don't want to see some guy that goes to church every Sunday and uh, you know is reading the Bible every morning before he has his fucking coffee and goes out and changes the world. I like that guy in real life, but the TV show, I mean, goddamn, Steve. And the, That's the villain in do. this is gotta be the most well put together. Uh, you know, he looks like he should be a good villain, dumbest villain, most stupidest fucking villain. I, I don't. It was like a January six riot level crime. They didn't think it through, <laughs> Steve. I didn't like it. But anyway, we're in we're in Texas. 
it's dusty as fuck. And this 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 is a movie, guys. We're not talking about a 40-minute show. This is an hour and a half of Walker, Texas Ranger in the 90s. So we're seeing the we're seeing the countryside. Uh very beautiful. But then you contrast that to what looks to be a wrecked armored car that's being robbed by these bandito types, these old like robber. It's just like an old school robbery, right? Yeah. They're pulling little, they're pulling actual cloth sacks of money out of this truck. Don't think they do that anymore. And um, they, they actually get away with it. Um, They, there's like some armored guard guys. They're, tied up but these guys they they get away with it and they take off but while they're taking off we see this fucking truck just making its way to you know it's approaching the crime scene who's in the truck i don't know i just see a hand i don't know who it is it's walker steve and he's about to whoop some ass wearing his uh get up from studio 54 he's got the bandana wrapped around his neck with some flavors you're looking kind of zesty there, Walker. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Walker. He, 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 walks in, he walks into a bar, or I should say a bar walks into Walker, and then it's dead silence. Uh, he tells everyone that they're under arrest. It's my favorite line. That's that's his only line. Yeah. Well, also, Steve, arrest. you don't mention, this is a bar. See, this all happened in Texas. So these guys, good criminals that they are, they hop the border into Mexico. <gasps> thinking there's no way there's any, these guys can't come at us now there's no jurisdiction in mexico fuck it we're good so they could have went three or five miles away from the border they go to the first bar that's like two miles from the border we see that sign and they're just hanging out having a great time you know yeah. spending the money they just stole and that's when walker walks in says his fucking line and starts just molly whopping the fuck out of these guys in the bar Front kick, cross, roundhouse, front re- front kick, roundhouse. He kicks their asses and rounds them up on the bed of his F-150 or his Dodge Ram. Uh, and then C.D. Parker's introduced, and he this is the only time he's played by Galliard Sarpain, I believe his name is. Uh, this is I a think one that's burned from the Ernest movies, Steve. Oh, is it? <laughs> I think so. I was like, who is this? I mean, C.D. was a fat ass in the show that we watched, but it he was older and had a Wilford Brimley look. This is like a more middle-aged CD, Steve. He's 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 retired, but it was a forced retirement. Yeah, it, it just didn't work for the producers, I guess, because Noble Willingham, that's the guy who we're used to seeing as CD, um, he would take on that role right after this pilot. It's like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, CD, we're, we, you can be, you go back to those Ernest shows. You're good. So... Walker does what he does. He whoops those guys' ass. He actually brings them back to the United States. But again, you can't do this. You can't even like the DA Alex that we've met, the hottie that he's like sort of connected to. Yeah. He's like, Walker, like this isn't, you can't do this. Yeah, and he's like, I'm a start vibes. Call the governor. She's like, I can't, I can't call the governor. I can't do that. He's like, call him and he, she calls the governor all it takes walker gets on the phone i don't know what he's he's like yeah thanks governor gotcha and then they apparently are able to arrest these guys I- <laughs> he's wearing a bandana on his neck man i told you 
and we're, we're introduced also to his partner bob mobley uh he's a younger guy uh you know still kind of green and he's pretty naive about things uh he thought he got a diamond ring uh but that shit was from a cracker jack box and fugazi steve fugazi uh, just bowed it doubt it see i mean cd clowns this guy to his face he's like first the of all yo bitch he, he, see here's what's wrong you got kind of got it wrong steve he bought her some jewelry but cd is like you ain't getting a bitch a ring and that's what she wants boy now that necklace you got that's gold plated that's some fugazi shit and he's like what and then he just yeah. runs out <laughs> yeah he got the bitch a necklace um uh and then we get introduced to yet another new character, Steve. And this is the first episode, so but I don't remember this guy being brought up too much. We go to Walker's house. And uh Walker's like waking up and he's like, What is this fucking noise? And he looks out the window and there's some guy like laying us some cement. He's making like a, a fence or something. We go outside and it's this old Native American dude, and come to find out a walker's half uh cherokee and this is his uncle ray uncle ray yeah yeah we're gonna learn some more about walker later about his family that's even it's insane um but right now uh we know walker's got an uncle ray and uncle ray's just sort of this cool old native american dude who's just like to me has like a hippie vibe but he's just like you know he's just all about helping walker out and all about just like i guess just like hanging out at the crib basically tending to the land walker i have to make this fence bigger oh uncle ray you've been making the fence bigger for years yeah fuck yourself walker <laughs> it's we have i have to make it closer to the sky <laughs> so walker's half native american i didn't know that my wife was like hmm, i didn't know that either so you know that's that's this is the first episode so we're learning new things um so cut from the farm to down at the old first national bank in town and yet another robbery steve it's uh society's really going to shit in texas so i don't know how good of a job walker's doing because it seems like there's a robbery or some sort of bank uh robbery of some minute. kind yeah i mean literally every other day what a coinky dink and Bob Mowgli, he gets the alert while he's out and makes it to the bank and he catches the first robber as he runs out. Now, the other two, they come out and they fall on their faces. And as he's got them locked and loaded, another guy comes out. And he's blind. He, he's blind, blind a blind guy. And so he lets his guard down, Mowgli does. And because he Sir. thought the guy was blind, Sir. he actually, another robber who ends up shooting him, yeah. Well, and also I like, and when you see this guys, I'm going to put the clip up. I have the show like clipped out. You will see that as soon as they show this bank, they show this blind guy. He has like a fake beard. I mean, he's, he looks like the quintessent. He's like going undercover, like undercover boss. You know that the guy's not blind, you know, <laughs> unless it's just bad. I was like, man, that's either bad makeup or that guy's one of the robbers. And he is, he's faking blind. He shoots Mobley. Mobley's dead, guys. We we met. Mar he's dead, right, Steve? Oh yeah, he's dead. He died. Better than Disco. And uh, Walker, when he gets the news, he's fucked up. Obviously, about his partner being killed. Uh, and I gotta also say that uh, Mobley, his headstone arrives in 
no dime. Um, who makes these fucking headstones? Uh, because I know the turnaround time is usually damn near a month. His shit the guy, he must have had a, like a late month, though, Steve. He was like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm not busy today. Hold on. Yeah, it's only the C- the series premiere. <laughs> so Walker's down a partner. Um, and these guys got away with some money. You know, they didn't get it all. And uh, clearly it was like a botch. It was like a reservoir dog situation. Something went haywire. They took too much time. Um, and then we cut to, you know, Walker's found out about this. We're in like the court area at what Walker's talking to Alex. And on top of this insane situation he's in with his dead partner, she's telling him about, um, a little girl who was part of a traveling circus and carnies. carnies basically exactly and this carny chick was actually raped by a few uh, men uh, in town and the problem is uh, they I, I don't know exactly they can't really get these guys like they the girl's not willing to like do like file charges or maybe that's yeah, yeah. and like she's, she's like we got to do something because if she leaves town in three days these rapists are just going to get away with this and we yeah, can't have continue it. raping probably going to the next town so she just is like walker and she like unbuttons a button she's like can you just let this girl stay at your house please she's like seduced you know into doing it and rightfully so walker is a good guy and he's like you know what i'm gonna take the family i'm gonna take the girl because she has like a mom and a dad as well we'll take the carny folk and they can come stay with me and uncle ray and i mean credit to walker but i don't want a bunch of carnies staying in my house steve it's disgusting well yeah they they leave a stench and back to the robbers he's they're having a meeting and uh, nick DePaulo comes out of the car basically tells the help their services are no longer needed and knocks them all the fuck out um going back to walker uh, he visits the circus acrobat girl and her family. Walker shares the childhood story with the girl and says that, you know, one time he went to the circus and a group of men started shouting obscenities uh, to his family. And Specifically his Native American father. They were calling father, him yeah. racist, like, epithets. And, you know, because I guess, like you said, Chuck Norris or Walker in this show is mixed. And so his father, he went to town on all of them. Uh, giving them one hitter quitters, uh, haymakers, if you will. And motherfucker came from behind and juked him. Stabbed him, Steve. Got him. Jailhouse style. Just pass it off. And then the mom, his mom tried to help out too. What happened to her? Stabbed. She stabbed. So Walker, I mean, here's the thing, Steve. And I was saying this to to Kendra. Walker is Texas Batman. This is the Batman origin story, Steve. His parents were killed out going out of an entertainment show. Maybe it wasn't an opera. It was a circus. So I guess that's the Texas equivalent of an opera. And, you know, (laughs) but uh, that's he's Batman, Steve, without the fucking costume. He just walks around in fucking Levi Strauss and just starts shit kicking people. And uh, the girl, he's just the girl's clearly fucked up. And another thing, like the dad's just juggling you know, it's just a very, it's like, do you have to be this carny-ish in my house? Yeah. Like, just take a seat, bruh. They're actually not her parents, though. They're just, they're just some like carnies. They're, they're just there. They're carnies. That's the life. Yeah. Her parents oh. are like, who knows? Yeah. 
So, you know, that's all going down. But Walker's just trying to, like, get this girl to even because even the carny guys like she hasn't even cried yet. It's like, God damn, this is pretty heartbreaking. So Walker's trying to break through, Steve. He's trying to break the walls down mentally. And she asked, like, how do you get over something like that? And Walker tells her time heals all wounds, maybe except the one in my father's back. But it does heal most wounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also, we didn't mention that the guys who raped this chick are like constantly like tailing her, like watching, I guess, to see if she leaves town. But they know where she's at. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to get caught. And the other thing I want to point out, we just to rewind a little bit, the the caper guys, right? When they have their meeting to go over this, the caper that went bad and like the dead cop, the guy who I call Mr. Big, because I didn't figure out what his name was till near the end. Is it, I mean, I thought it was Brian Bosworth for the longest. The guy looks like Brian Bosworth and they set him up to be like a karate adversary to Walker because what he does is like karate. He, he walkers his men. He just beats the shit out of him with karate. So, yeah. Um, I think his name's Orson, but that's the guy who's trying to like apparently the mastermind of all bank robberies in whatever Texas town this is. I keep forgetting what town it is. Is it Austin? Is it Dallas? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I believe it's da- like Fort Worth area, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> Wherever it's at. So we got a guy who's like Walker's Joker. He's a white guy who does karate, but instead of using it for good, he's trying to use it for evil. Um, and Walker's just got a lot on his plate. I'd be like, he's like a, a MacGyver almost. If you remember like that episode where he's trying to help out like the whole, all of Venice, California, it's like, dude, just focus on one of these problems. Okay. For real. You're, you're overexerting yourself. Uh, I, I see Brian Bosworth mixed with Nick DiPaolo. Um, yeah. I see the Nick DiPaolo. It's like Nick DiPaolo if he did steroids or Brian Bosworth, if he had normal hair and a normal neck, it's like one of the two. It's just like they smash both of them together. But anyway, it's a very comical bad guy because he uses a lot of like interrogation tactics and really yeah. essentially for most of the show, he's just holding really intense job interviews, you know, and- we before we get to the interviews though uh cd tells walker about his new partner jimmy trevett uh, he was a wide receiver at penn state uh, and, and he ended up getting injured uh, basically you know his his football career was over and done with and he's originally from baltimore and it was cd that actually got him into law enforcement um walker is not ready to start over uh, he's not trying to hear about that shit he don't give a fuck he's still grieving over mobley um, meanwhile, Nick DiPaolo is holding auditions for his latest heist project. And let's just say the first contestant didn't fare too well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's asking him questions and based on the guy's response, he's like, he's calling him bluff. He's like, oh, you're full of shit. Uh, you didn't work for the government. You didn't uh, get the fuck out of here. You Matter lied fact, on your resume, yeah. you son of a bitch. Get out of here. Take him outside and show him what we do to liars, people who lie on their resume. And this is a very intense, like McDonald's interview. He's putting like hot lights on you. So the, he's a silhouette the most of this episode. Just like, so you're good at explosives. Tell me about that. <laughs> what are your hours of availability? Yeah, you are available on weekends, correct? We need full availability. Um, 
Uh, and also, Steve, uh, I don't. Okay, yeah. So when we do meet Trevette, and you pointed this out to me before we even like watch this, the first time we even see this fucking guy, he's ma- he's in a speedo, slow mo Baywatch style, and like sort of his antithesis to Walker is like Walker's an old school guy. He doesn't take shit. He whoops the shit out of people. He does, you know, he asks minimal questions, this and that. Trevette's a new breed. He uses these things called computers and DNA evidence. He's all into searches and doing like looking into facts. It's too esoteric for me. Yeah. Data. So that's like that's the but he's also like weirdly like he's very cocky for a nerdy dude. you know he's got like that cocky he's like okay yeah all right walker all right he's, he's got, got a that. very urkel uh speech pattern to himself uh but at the same time he's cut i mean he, he was a wide receiver for about to say state. penn state dude it's yeah, fucking, I mean, they, they don't recruit bumps. so yeah man so he's, he's still got that intact man and he's getting his laps around in the pool wearing these thirsty ass speedos and it's, that's how we're introduced to Jimmy Trevette uh, in all this glory, just about. Might as well say. I mean, and we saw it, Steve. We Trevette's packing, you know. He's, like, he's out there. <laughs> hey, Trevette. Jeez. Uh, we just met. Now, Walker gets the drop on Cobalt. And Cobalt is apparently the, the bomb. Uh, he was the McVay. lying. He was the lying. He lied on his resume guy. So that, you know, mm-hmm. he was that guy. Um, he, so Walker is like, all right. Um, he, I think he talks to another ranger or something and he hears something about C4, like C4 was used in that bank robbery. They, they right, used right. C4 in some way. So he's like, who can get C4? I'm going to go down to a gun store. So he goes down to a gun store and just like, there's only, there's one guy and he's just like, Hey, guy behind the counter what do you know about C4? And the guy's like, I don't know anything about that, Mr. Walker. I don't know. What what are you talking about? I'm just selling rifles. (laughs) I don't know. What would I know about that? And then Walker's like, and the guy's like, oh, uh, here, here, here's all I know. He spills the beans and he spills the beans on that cobalt guy who's like the he can get a bazooka. He can get. Apparently, he wasn't lying that much on his resume because he is the go-to guy for like that. You know, the fireworks you can't buy. Uh, the, bo- the deep web <laughs> shit. He can get the the fucking C four off of the fucking silk. Was it Silk Road? Silk Road, and, dude. He's that guy. Uh, now they get a hold of Cobalt, and apparently he is scared shitless of Trevette. Um, We don't know exactly what he did before but they do have a history he's crazy uh, dude (laughs) he doesn't speak when walker's questioning him trevette comes in he's like no anybody but him and trevette's just like "Uh, yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah it's me again (laughs) remember what i did bud walker's like how the fuck i karate chopped this guy three times in the neck he didn't give up shit well, uh, apparently, uh, snakes ended up at the guy's house. Uh, all the power got shut off, and he was locked in the house. Uh, he, he took him to jail for something, and then like they threw the case out. So I guess Trevette, he went the extra mile. It's like, you know what? You, you didn't receive the, your just due and punishment, but yo, today I got time. 
Yeah, he was that guy. Was on show the, or the movie Denzel was in pretty recently. He's like the protector. I forget whatever. He's just like a guy who's like, I'll get the job done no matter what. Fuck, I got just street justice, Trevette yeah. style. So maybe Trevette's not as nerdy and bitchy as he looks. He's got he he seems to hold a grudge, basically. So, um, cut back to just some dusty ass field someplace and some fat old white guy. Uh, new C4 expert, Steve. I think his name is Mr. Box. I think. But it's just some Mr. other... It's, it's a yet another fat old white guy in Texas that kind of looks like Wilford Brimley. And this is the new expert for explosives. And what he's done, he hides the explosives in a little, like, ashtray-looking thing. And I forget what it is, like, what visually it's supposed to look like. But basically, this is his um, job interview he has like some dumbass wood box out in the middle of nowhere. He's like, check this out. And he just blows it up. And that's what you do to become a bomb. You're like, I know how to blow shit up. Here's how you want to see. Boom. Good. I can do You it got all. the job. <laughs> yeah. You blew it up, bud. You're hired, Mr. Box. But I forget what it is. What does he make the shit? Because this comes back. Is it like a wasp or a butterfly or some shit? It looks like an alien, like a Martian kind of deal. I don't know what the hell it, it, they looked. I think I have it here somewhere. We'll get to it because it comes. But again, so now Brian Bosworth, Apollo is he's getting his team back together. He's still holding interviews. And we're like, I'm sitting here thinking. Why is this guy just like, do you just have to keep making teams? How many robberies are you going to do? We'll find out, Steve, because this guy, he has an insane plan. Dumbest plan of all time. He's going to rob four banks. Yeah. Four banks at one time. And that's why, Steve, he was so adamantly pissed off about the timing and the, the fucking up of the plan. He's like... He set up as like this criminal mastermind. He's like, I've timed everything out perfect, perfectly. So if you fuck it up, uh, you know, I, that's not on me. But if we do this right, we're going to rob four banks, four blocks. We're going to get this money, guys. Fuck Walker. Now, back at the ranch, uh, the rapist returned to Lisa's house. Uh, but this time Walker's there and he wastes no time laying into him. He even breaks one of the guy's nose and he tells him that you have the right to remain silent yeah after the guys like he he whoops all the ass uh and afterwards one of the guys has enough like brain cells left to be like you fucked up man you didn't read me right rights <laughs> and yeah. that's when he lays that on him and then he kicks um, him in the face <laughs> i love it so the rapists there i mean these rapists are they just did not want to get caught. So they were willing to lay their life on the line. I think they knew the guy was, a that was like the house of a ranger, which balls. Yeah. Uh, but as always, you know, Walker puts on those cowboy boots and gets to stomping. He fucks that up. And then he comes up, or maybe this is before that, but he comes up with this idea after they talk to Cobalt and get sort of all the information that guy has. He's like, I don't know anything. Like the guy had lights in my face. I don't know what he looks like. All I know is he likes pistachio nuts. So I don't know. So Walker's like, you know what, Trevette? After you showed me how much of a badass you were in the interrogation room, we're going to have you go undercover and try to get a job interview with this guy uh, to become part of the team. So now 
Trevette is in a car on like in a Jackie Brown situation where he's just in a car. Walker's like a few parking spots away on a walkie talkie. Just like it seems pretty obvious that this guy's a cop. Like if I, you'd see it and you'd know like something was going down as like the criminals. Um, but they're kind of you can see they're bonding. I think this is when Trevette actually tells Walker what he did to Cobalt. He's like, yeah, I fucking locked that guy in a room with snakes. He was shitting himself. It was hilarious. And then I arrested him. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, but then like as um, Mr. Biggs coming, DePaulo Bosworth in a van for the jet to pick up Trevette for the job interview. Uh, just like a security guard's like, hey, black guy, you can't be parked here and like fucks yeah. the whole thing up, uh, you know, so then they have to chase this van down. Um, but I, I forget what happens. They try to like do chase it. Even Trevette even gets out of a car and tries to catch a moving vehicle on foot like Will Smith Men in Black style. Um, it's pretty uh, wild, but they lose the tail and they are just forced to, you know, pick up the pieces of this failed undercover job we also see that one of the bombs has made its way to one of the banks luckily no one got hurt um but the weird martian uh rabbit ear looking whatever the fuck it is uh it's just not around anyone and it just goes off and everyone's just like what the fuck yeah yeah and uh back in the motel mr big Uh, he's getting a bunch of other of these bombs put together. I'm trying to see what the fuck these things are like, look like it's like a moth or something, but they deliver them in like donut boxes and they just put them on like the desk. So they're just trying to like, I guess it's not like to blow up the whole bank. It's just to like scare people. Basically, this isn't going to like blow a hole in the side of a bank. Basically, if I remember. Yeah. Maybe to alert people, get the fuck out of here. Um, now there's a shootout outside the bank and, you know, they're, they're busting their gas at each other and Walker eventually tracks down Nick DiPaolo Bosworth and he says, I heard you're the best. And then he throws Walker a weak ass swing, uh, followed by getting his ass handed to him and getting thrown into the water. He whoops at all. Like this bad guy was made to look like a karate badass. And the second walk, I mean, I guess it's just testament to how good Walker is, but Walker just, bah, bah, bah. I mean, it's the most stiff karate beatdown of all time, but he whoops that ass. So, and the thing of it is, Steve, like we get into, so the robbery, this four bank robbery thing is in, is happening, right? But it seems like he had no plan. He's like, all right, we're going to bomb him. But like, then the teams all get arrested very easily. Everything goes to shit so easily. And it's like, what was all the planning for, bud? You got all these bombs alerting people, like setting off, like well before <laughs> the planned heist is supposed to get off. But uh, see, that's why you got arrested. You're, you're not good at this. You know? Oh, and also, UPS Steve, I just hiring. found out what those things were, the, like, what the uh, pottery C4 was. It was a horse fly. It was a horse fly. That's random as fuck. And now the final scene, they're at the rodeo because CD, he basically volunteered Walker to be at this charity rodeo and he volunteered him to be on the bull. Uh, Walker hops on the bull. And I was told, Matt, that the bull actually needed a stunt double to do this scene with Chuck Norris. Yeah. And yeah. He, the bull got, you know, they, he actually killed the first bull that they uh, filmed with Steve just from the power of his thighs and those jeans. Right. 
and, and but the bull's the name is Terminator. You know, it's Terminator. It's not looking good. And also Trevette, they make him be a fucking rodeo clown, even though he's coming from Pennsylvania. He's never been to a fucking rodeo before. He doesn't know what's up, but he seems all in. Um, and I got to say, dude, if this was eight seconds, Jason Priestley, that that rodeo movie from the 90s, Walker just fucking stomped a mud hole in that record, too. He, just, I mean, he rode this bull for what I think was like 12 seconds. He overachieved. So... Well, CD, he figured, hey, Trevette, you played for the Nittany Lions with Sandusky on the team, so you're used to clown shit. <laughs> you're used to getting rammed, huh? Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that following year, Thanks for just really pu- putting that pencil. <laughs> hey. You son of a bitch. Yeah, it's a scar that won't go away. 1994, on April 21st, Herman's head airs their final episode, their series finale. I remember watching this. It, that was paired up with uh, In Living Color and The Simpsons. And it lasted for about, I want to say, three or four seasons. We've talked about Herman's Head. It's been mentioned, but I don't remember this show. It seems like, a, I mean, this seems like something they'd make now. You know, it's about like well, mental health and shit. Well, it's got Yearly Smith. She has a live action role. Um, she's the voice of Lisa Simpson. Uh, from beginning until now, all the way till now. And uh, Hank Azaria is in it as well. He plays Herman's uh, co-worker at the office. I love Hank. I like to see Hank Azaria in movies, like just when he's playing, because he's like a really funny comedic actor. I forget what movie it was, but he played like, it was some with Ben Stiller, I think, where he fucked Ben Stiller's wife. He was like some like surfer bro or some shit. It was very, he's always very funny when he plays like those background characters. Uh. And on that same day, Sinbad show ends on Fox as well. Uh, it was only on for 24 seat or 24 episodes. Um, 24 seasons. And all, one, all those yeah. windbreakers, Steve. I wonder how many they had to just toss out when the show was over. With, you know? uh, this was Ray J's debut as an actor. Ray J? God yeah. damn, Ray J. Sinbad, uh, he adopts two children, uh, a boy and a girl, and the boy was played by Ray J. I don't remember the Sinbad show either, honestly. No, oh, I mean, 24 episodes. I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to come across. Yeah. Uh, 1995, The Basketball Diaries premieres in theaters. A teenager finds his dreams of becoming a basketball star threatened after he free falls into the harrowing world of drug addiction, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jim Carroll, Mark Wahlberg, and Lorraine Bracco from Sopranos fame. I vaguely remember this. I remember something on a rooftop, but yeah, this was like one of those like drug message movies, like uh, Requiem for a Dream type movies. But I know yeah. this was a pretty popular like movie, though, probably because of Leo and Mark Wahlberg in it. Yeah, this is his uh, coming of age years uh, when he's starting to break out and become a star. This is uh, actually uh, two years before Titanic or in a year before Romeo and Juliet. Um, on that like, same day, what's that? I was just going to say, I, I, I got a I just love me some Leo DiCaprio. He's made a lot of good movies in our lifetime, and I I, I applaud the man. And he's a coxman too, so good job, good job, bud. Uh, uh, get what is it? The Get Pussy Crew, uh, him and his buddy Toby McGuire. Isn't that crazy, dude? Spider Man and fucking Leah of Titanic just going out there crushing. I support it. Sea Biscuit, 
you know, you know, Toby was on C's like a horse ain't the only thing with the big cock ladies. Hey, like a baby arm down here. <laughs> uh, on that same day in 95, Kiss of Death premiered in theaters. A reformed convict goes undercover with the help of an angry detective to ensnare a psychotic mobster starring David Caruso, Samuel L. Jackson, Nicolas Cage, and Helen Hunt. This sounds like a banger. I don't remember it, this. It totally no? does. And uh, Nicolas Cage, if you see the, the still images, he's yoked. So he's the, the guy that's uh, the former convict. Um, and Samuel Jackson, this is 90 Samuel Jackson when he's got the uh, Reginald Bill Johnson hairline. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. 187 style. I think it's available on Stars. Um, like if you look hard enough, you can find it online. But I, I want to see this after doing research on it. Uh, it looks like a fucking banger. Uh, and Philip Baker Hall is in this movie from um, uh, Boogie Nights. He's one of the, the old uh, weirdo dudes. And fun fact about Philip Baker Hall, uh, his birthday was a week before mine, September 10th, and he was born in Toledo, Ohio. Of all what? Those. Which yes. one of the old guys is it? Is it you're talking like the colonel and the other guy? It, 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 it wasn't the colonel. It was the other guy. Lollipops in my ass and butter in my mouth or whatever. Yep. Of course, <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. from Toledo would say some shit like that. Yeah, I was about to say that's something. I like the final things in life, like lollipop my. <laughs> I'm going to have to, we'll have to check that out, Steve. Put a fucking uh, bookmark, a, a bookmark in that one. Yeah. Kiss of Death. Yeah, man. That's a must-see. Uh, on that same day, Swimming with Sharks uh, premiered in theaters. A young, naive Hollywood studio assistant finally turns the tables on his incredibly abusive producer boss, uh, starring Kevin Spacey and Frank Whaley, Michelle Forbes, and Benicio Del Toro. Uh, Kevin Space. I'm assuming he was the boss. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was the uh, executive guy, and this looks like it's good. I mean, this is Kevin Spacey. I know he's canceled, but like, he great performer, and this is in the '90s when he's fucking hitting his stride. Um, you can't erase is, those movies. I mean, Usual Suspects, no. Seven, all that. I'm sorry, the guy's a scumbag, but I mean, guys, we I could throw a rock in Hollywood and hit a scumbag. So, I believe it's available on Tubi. If I'm okay. not mistaken. So, I mean, 95, man, y'all came out with some good ones. Uh, and then there was While You Were Sleeping on that same fucking day. Uh, hopeless romantic Chicago Transit Authority token collector is mistaken for a fiance of a coma patient starring Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. We all know, Steve, you probably were just loving this. How many times you watch this? Look at this fucking hallmark <laughs> postcard ass. While you were sleeping, this aired on television. It's the only way a television in my household will be staying on a Sandra Bullock movie. While I was sleeping, this movie was on TV. <laughs> to put us to sleep. I'm sure Bird my mom, I, I probably saw this because my mom watched it. It looks like something my mom would watch. And Bill Pullman, you are no Bill Paxton, okay? I'm sorry. I, I, these two were competing in my mind and Bill Paxton is just he's the one he's, he should have been in that movie but I'm sorry I'm throwing shade on the guy I'm throwing shade on this goddamn movie like look at this look at her shit eating grin it's, oh, look at him it's my bland ass movie like that's, problem that's child's grandfather was in this movie as well <laughs> and, yeah and Ray Romano's dad was in it still Damn, I Didn't mean, how could uh, you, as and Sandra Bullock, the all star cast, Steve? Where's Dennis Miller at? <laughs> it's the net, yeah. too, Steve. Why are you sleeping? <laughs> oh, <weird. laughs> 
we premiered in 1995. It's like that's Rip like Van Michael... Winkle with her. <laughs> yeah. A week after Jordan returned to basketball, baby. That's <laughs> hey, babe. That borderline Sammy Davis Jr. right there. Uh, but somebody who probably didn't watch while you were sleeping or swimming with sharks or kiss of death, probably Timothy McVeigh, because that motherfucker was getting arrested. And rightfully so, Steve. Rightfully so. And for being ugly. Uh, they obtained a warrant to search the house of McVeigh's father, and they ended up tapping the house. Uh, they got fake addresses from McVeigh that he'd been using, and they began the search on the Nichols brothers, Terry and James. And on April 21st, 95, Terry Nichols, he learned that he was being hunted, and he turned himself in. Uh, investigators discovered incriminating evidence at his home, ammonium nitrate, blasting caps, the electric drill used to drill out the locks at the quarry, and books on bomb making, a cop a copy of Hunter, which is a novel by William Luther Pierce, the founder and chairman of the National Alliance and white nationalist group. Um, and yeah, man, uh, they found his uh, McVeigh's getaway car. Um, and after a nine hour interrogation, Terry Nichols was formally held in federal custody until his trial. I mean, this was like what I remember as one of the first terrorist things that we saw growing up. In I mean, America. they tried to bomb the World Trade Center when we were super little, and they did, but it was like in the basement. You didn't really see it. But this, I remember coming home and like, you know, it was like, we're kind of used to this, unfortunately, now, like seeing news footage about terrorist shit and all that. But this is one of the first. This shit was nuts. Yeah. And the Fucking fucker's crazy. no longer with us. Yeah, he, he died actually, in jail, right? He died in jail. Uh, he, he got executed. Um, and it was a couple months before 9-11. Uh, Timothy McVeigh, he was executed, I believe, June or July of that year. Fuck him. But uh, yeah, fuck him indeed. And in 1996, Parenthood, our first time talking about Parenthood, uh, they're airing the episode, We Don't Need Another Hero. Robert and Jerry forbid Zarya from being in a music video. Uh, I had a, another crush on her. Uh, she was close to my age, and I always thought she had like cute eyes. They, she was kind of cockeyed, but she had a cuteness to her. Like, I, it was kind of like one eye was like, I don't know. I don't know. You've seen the episode. She was cute. I, I didn't notice a cock eye, but I mean, obviously I was a kid when this came out. So Zaria or whatever her real name is, I'm sure she's beautiful now, maybe without oh, a yeah, cock eye. Um, I never watched Parenthood, Steve. I tried, and I knew about it. I knew Robert Townsend had a show. I knew Faze on Love was on the show. Fucking big worm. Those two things I'll immediately, I don't need any other sales pitch. I'm good with that, but I never watched it. And I got to say, it's a good show. It's a, it's a, it's a night and a good nineties, like family sitcom. I enjoyed it. I always thought the mom was hot. Uh, the, the son, Michael, he, I remember him from uh boomerang. He was one of the kids and he was in McDonald's commercials. Um, wasn't now, the fat kid also like he's somebody, he right? He was in Karina Karina. Uh, with Ray Liotta and Whoopi Goldberg. I just remember his, this is going to sound really weird, but like his teeth, he has like fuck, like a yuck mouth almost. And I was like, I know yes. the mouth, but the fucking, and that sounds gross. Pause. Because I th I'm assuming I, he gained, he lost weight. Because in this, he's like a fat he, ass little kid. Yeah, he, he went through his ugly Rudy phase. And, you know, he maybe that was his teeth 
uh, being a part of it. You know, he, he, he drew all of that out and uh, yeah, he has slimmed down, but he's been in less work over time. Uh, and we start the episode off uh, with uh, the family coming back from a game and Bulldog is the craze for Nicholas. Uh, mm, apparently he right. made a jump shot at the buzzer and Nicholas, he, he's that's his idol. He says, never back down. Uh, is he's, he he get Nicholas yeah. in a fucking tizzy. He's got he's got that DMX. Apparently, like what Bulldog sounds like a like Dennis Rodman, like Dennis a G-rated Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Basically, he's got blonde hair and he barks at people. Dennis Rodman never barked at people. He just kicked <laughs> you in the groin and, and maybe uh, pissed you off a lot. But he's and got he, a bad attitude, Steve. And Nick's he's all in on that. He's just fucking growling at people. He almost attacks the younger uh, daughter. <laughs> she has to run away from him. Yeah, he's um, got a little chubby for uh, Bulldog. Yeah, and he's like, he's my hero. And Robert Townsend, his dad, is like, wait, am I? Am I? What about me? And Nicholas is like, he can be your hero too. And he just like walks away. <laughs> I paid the bills in here. What the fuck? Yeah, man, I put a roof over your fucking fat ass little head. Uh, but in walks, um, well, Faison Love walked in with him because he went to the game. But the fact Faison Love is on this show, your show is going to be good. And yeah. he's killing the. He's pretty. I was like, Faze on Love in a kid show? I don't know. But it's not it's really pre- a kid show. It's not it's really. A, it's a family show. Um, you know, but it's got Robert Townsend. And he, he found a way to make all of it work. And uh, Michael's playing the drums uh, in the living room. And Nicholas is working on his handles. And yeah, you need to keep working on those handles, Nicholas, because you can't dribble for shit. Yeah, he's and, dribbling like Stanley in the office. It's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> and and all of this is in the living room, which is a, a reminder to not have kids. Like, how fucking dare you? Yeah, and Michael's just like, Michael is a, apparently a musical genius, as we'll find out later. He's a kid who can play every fucking musical instrument you can think of. But he and, shoes out Nick, and then uh, Zaria and her hot-ass crew come through, and they're like, they're super excited, Steve, because this... Um, artist sachet which i love I, it's a great name uh is doing a video in town and they want to be dancers but the problem is steve sachet seems to be sort of a 90s maybe Nicki minaj type she's all about the booty dancing as we'll find out. a lot of booty a lot of that hour if you and, will and zaria is first of all underage so she's got to get the dad to sign the permission slip which i mean come on this is a field trip yeah and you ain't got booty your booty ain't grown yet you like 14. yeah check the ids people at the music video place we'll get there but regardless she's got a she's trying to lay a sales pitch on robert and she and walks ira. in what and i'm sorry we we forgot about ira he also comes in he's one of michael's friends he's kind of like the ugly jason of that universe <laughs> uh he's he's his white buddy with a schnoz and uh you know they're basically like shit you let's go to that music video Um, they're like michael dad's not gonna sign it so you gotta sign it and he's like i'm not michael seems to be a good kid you know he seems to be the best one of them all and he's like dad's never gonna sign that for you and she's like no you're gonna sign it and he's like why the fuck would i do that i'm not gonna get in trouble and she's like you do that then you're gonna get to go to the music video and you can hobnob with all these music people dude think about it which i mean <gasps> it seems to be a good idea when you watch the episode and be around hot chicks shaking their booty you could do worse michael 
and now Zarya, she talks him into it and they make it to the set of the music video, which looks like a boiler room with furniture. And Zarya and her friends are dressed like grade picture day, grade school picture day. Um, Troy is the director and he comes out and he asks, are y'all the booty girls? And they're like, I, I think we are. Uh, I don't know. He's like, and, that's the only, that's the only role we got, ladies. Booty. Yeah. And here's the outfit. Here's some bubblegum dental floss for you to wear in the video. Uh, hold on. I got to go. You guys 18? Uh, I got to go. <laughs> he doesn't real. even check an ID. Come on, bud. And the song is nothing but booty. Uh, the director's just like, man, we don't care how you get here or who it is. As long as they got booty, they're in the video. Booty, booty, booty. He says booty like 35 times. He's like, you got booty? Okay. Here's the booty cam. Get the booties out. Booty, booty. And then they're still like hesitant. So like Sashay waltzes in. Sashay, Shantae. And she comes over. She's like, let me talk to them. Let me talk to these young ladies. And she's just like, she's an idiot, Steve. Sashay's out there. You know, I don't think she's writing her songs. Let's put it like that. Even as she's dumb fine, as they though. are. <laughs> yeah, she is yeah. hot. <laughs> she's got like boomerang, like pussy. She's got like yeah. sort of like that vibe, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, she chews her out. Like, hey, get, get it together. You want to be in the video or not, kid? Uh, Michael ends up having a one-on-one with the director, uh, Troy, and he's like, hey, man, uh, your song Freak Farm, man, that was the shit. Just basically give him his flowers. And Troy's just like, you know what? I'm more than a director. I also write, man. You know all them haze and hoes? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Oh, dude. I didn't know that this whole time. You the bad man. You a genius, man. Smart though, he kisses this guy's ass, and this is what you got. Apparently, you got to do. You get in on a set. He's just trying to get a demo tape out, Steve. He's like fucking Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley and Boogie Nights. He's like, "What's on this tape? What's on this? This magic? You got to hear this." Um, we come back to the house, Nicholas. He's still barking and crawling, and it leads Robert to having one of his uh, vignettes. He always has these dream sequences like Zach Morris, which I appreciate because they're just so off the wall. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're talking about how their heroes when they were kids were Shaft and Dolomite. And so they cut to a dream sequence of an old school black exploitation. And it's Antonio Fargus, uh, you know, uh, what is Huggy his Bear. name? Huggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, and he robs an old lady. And then Mac Daddy and Black Licorice, played by Robert Townsend and Faison Love, they come out and beat the fuck out of him. And it's a pimp, it's a pimp ass whoop, and it's a lot of like karate kicks and pimp slaps, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> what you want. It, I didn't, and again, I never watched this show, but when I was watching this, I was like, this show, I'm sold. They're doing a pimp fantasy. I love this. And Nicholas, he went full bulldog now, and he's dyed his hair. He's got an earring. Uh, he says, bulldog yes. never backs down. Uh, and then cuts to the next scene. Nicholas is in his room, has his hair dyed back to his original color, and now no earrings, and the ball is deflated like Tom Brady. Lesson learned. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, he just he made he made some bad decisions. And we've all I, I cut racing stripes in my hair to look cool because my, some of my idols did that. And you just you know you're a kid, but he I think that it's later. But he's like, Dad. Will you be my hero again? 
and it's very cute. It's very, it's very family. You know, it's nice. It's it's sweet. Alfie, can you teach me how to dance? Yeah, it's very that. Um, but back on the uh, sachet set, uh, we're getting into it. The ladies, they're in their outfits. They're in their pink outfits. Two of them. They're just out, the friends. But Zarya's in the outfit, but she's got a child molester trench coat on, and she's trying to just yeah. get through the video. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's just not fitting the vibe of the booty cam, which is really, I think, what this director's uh, innovation in music videos was, was his booty cam. Um, and I support that. But there, you know, there's a problem, Steve. A girl in a trench coat trying to twerk, it's just not sexy. No if booty, it's not no sexy, go. we ain't eating, Steve. Yeah, well, take that coat off. You know, it's time to shake some ass. I mean, and, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, you know, Michael, he sees this and he stands up for his sister. And, you know, Troy actually liked Michael's music. But Michael, you know, he's got morals. And, you know, being the brother, the second in command of the house, he's like, you know, me and my sister out of here. We ain't shaking ass for nobody. And I'm not about the kids on ass. But by the way, your music sucks. Peace. Give me my tape back, bitch. And for then real. he, but it, like, honestly, the, because what happens prior to this is not only is the guy, like the director being shitty, Sashay gives this insanely misogynistic speech where she's like, look, honey, I know you don't want to look like this, but this is what men love. And if men get what they want, we get what we, it's just like this insane speech. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, it seems to be like maybe an Epstein breeding ground type situation going on here. Cause they're, you know, Quite they're possibly. saying all this to a 14 year old. <laughs> Can y'all tell she's underage? Like severely underage. <laughs> Any of them, like guys, ladies, them. you gotta get out of there. Or this guy in a leather vest is going to fucking make you do more than booty cam shit. Man, you don't want to see what's in that director's chair. And all the home, Michael, Zaria, and Zaria's homegirls, they leave. They come back home and they turn on the new music video for Nothing But Booty. And who do they see? Ira. Mm. Getting his freak on. Why not? But now they're like, you know, so that's happened. They think they're in the clear. But Zaria goes into the kitchen and Robert immediately is like, what did I tell you about those videos? And she's like, God, how the fuck? I didn't know. I I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. She thinks he's talking about the, the sachet video. Uh, but then he's like, I told you to take these tapes back. I told you to take yeah. my shaft, you know, volume three compilation tape back and you didn't. So, oh, thank God. And uh, so that's really the end of the episode. But there is another pimp fantasy where Nick, the fat young kid, is like a junior pimp, and he, I think he whoops Huggy Bear's ass, or he does something. I didn't catch it. I love it. I, I never watched the show, Steve. This is a new one for me, which is one of the reasons why I like doing the show is watching shit I never did. And this one is a fucking good show. Like I would have been watching this no matter what age I was. It's fucking cool. It, it was one of the original uh, WB sitcoms man paired with uh, wayne's show and unhappily ever after with uh, bobcat goldway <laughs> anything with phase on love in it yeah you know to me one of my unsung just like kings of the 90s you, he's in a lot of shit and i think a lot of people love watching what he's in but i don't think he gets enough flowers he's hilarious 
He's always yeah, fucking he, funny. He doesn't have whoop your roles. ass. Like I saw a video of him a long time ago where I think he whooped a guy's ass in like an airport for saying in some Columbus. Shit yeah. <laughs> of all places. Sucks too, Steve. I think there's a lot of people in Columbus, Ohio that might deserve to get their ass whooped by phase on mode. You know, uh, it he might be onto something. Uh, someone who didn't watch this episode of The Parenthood, probably Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. Uh, they were busy beating the Baltimore or Washington Bullets, 103 and 93, and setting a record, 72 games. Guys, I mean, what do we? Are, there's, it's all been said. We, it's I mean, all these been motherfuckers said. were just killing it. Um, what is the fat white guy on the bottom row, like above your right shoulder? What's that guy's name? Luke Longley. Is that Luke Longley? Okay, that I was like, Luke I remember Longley. that guy. <laughs> I don't from Australia, him. Mike. Really? Yeah. Aussie rules. Okay. It, I, I mean, also he, just have to shout out to the Washington Bullets. I I love the name. I never really understood as a child that maybe they were just referring to how the, is it about the the city itself being rough or why did they call it no Washington Bullets? No way they would do that. Like, why would you call it that anyway? Just because well, well, the army, like, bef before that, they were the Baltimore Bullets. So maybe there is some truth to that. So, like, it's a rough city. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you know, somebody who probably didn't know about this is Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy Snyder, uh, American sportscaster, born in 1919. He would pass away. Uh, his original name is Demetrios Georgios Sedinos. Uh, we'll just call you Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> um, <laughs> born in Steubenville, Ohio. Uh, yeah. Okay. Birthplace Ohio, of dude. Yeah. Also, Jimmy the Greek, was he a sports commentator or was he more of like a, a betting guy? Didn't he give like he, sports he was, bet tips? He was both. Okay. He was a sports commentator and he was a Vegas guy. And every now and then they would ask him. He was kind of like a uh, one of those around the horn guys, uh, if that was around in the 80s. I think um, he said something racist. Uh, I'm sure he oh, said yeah. a lot of racist things, but I think he said something about black people and maybe a uh, bone. Or he said like the truth. He said the truth. And it was on a CBS live broadcast. And this is the 80s. They weren't prepared for that. Uh, this was uh, around MLK Day. Yeah. And so they asked him. Uh, he, I, I can't remember what the question was, but his response was the black is a better athlete to begin with because he's been bred to be that way because of his high thighs and big thighs that goes up into his back and they can jump higher and run faster because of their bigger thighs. And he's bred to be the better athlete because this goes back to all the way back to the Civil War uh, when during the slave trading, the big, the owner, uh, the slave owner would breed his big black to his big black woman so that he could have a big black kid. See, uh, and <laughs> I mean, scientifically, him, that sort of there's some truth. I there mean, is truth there, but Jimmy gotta just not, you know. Maybe it's called tact. Yeah, <laughs> this is CBS, the eye, the all-seeing eye. I mean, and, it's um, just wild. Back, you know, like there was that that him. Who was that other guy that kind of got canceled? Like, cause he said nappy-headed hoes. Remember that guy? Uh, yeah. Well, he was uh, Howard Stern's. Uh, I can't remember his bitter name. enemy. Um. Yeah, he's died. There was just a uh, lot I mean, of that. Like a lot of these old white dudes that were just used to being racist, like behind the scenes that sometimes they would just slip out, you know? And while Jimmy may have said some shit that was in science terms, maybe correct. Don't say it on TV, Jim. Come on, yeah. bud. They're looking for the cookie cutter answer. 
Well, you know, uh, you know, they, they do have little leagues and uh, double triple A tournaments and stuff. And, you know, the, the competition's getting stiffer. I don't There's know. There's some like Nazi scientist vibes to that. Like anybody who's like the black athlete is the superior athlete because it's like, OK, but this is some weird oh. fucking shit here. I don't... We know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> he was actually parodied a couple times. He was parodied uh, in The Simpsons. Uh, there's an episode called Lisa the Greek. And uh, he was parodied by John Candy and Phil Hartman in uh, SCTV and Saturday Night Live, respectively. Uh, now, 1998, Public Enemy releases the album He Got Game soundtrack. Uh, it won up a lot of claim. I don't know if it got awards, but it got like four stars on all music. And uh, obviously, the title track, He Got Game, it's uh, the soundtrack to the movie. That's the one I remember he got game he got game i feel like that's kind of i remember i don't remember the soundtrack as much as the movie I, the movie's good the movie's a bit like slow but it's it's cool it's like almost like one of those inside baseball movies like any given sunday where you get the behind the scenes of like the college athletic uh recruitment process a little bit um yeah. and the thing i remember most about this movie and i mean it just Spike Lee, I respect you. You're a great filmmaker. But the thing I remember most about this, uh, there's a scene where Ray Allen, who is the Jesus Shuttlesworth, the main character of the movie, uh, and he's fucking two hot white chicks in a dorm room. When he gets recruited. Yeah. yeah. He's I, I remember that. Yeah, I remember watching that with my cousin in the theaters, man. And uh, she's like, man, you remember that scene where he was eating pussy? I was like, damn, I I remember titties. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember the pussy eating at all. I just remember those big ass stripper white chick titties. And uh, but, dude, it was just like it was a slow burn movie. It was a lot of because Denzel's like in jail and they release him so that he can talk Jesus Shuttlesworth, his son, into going to a specific college. Yeah, it's more of a lower tier college, but he's like, he's, I mean, to think of a, an athlete named Jesus, that's like, and he's this, he's like the best basketball player. He wants to go to the biggest school. So it's about like them mending their relationship and him trying to talk his son into going to this college and stuff. It's, it's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorites Spike Lee's done, but it's a good movie. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites, but you know, I, I'll watch it them too uh, i'll, I'll you know, watch that all day, all day uh <laughs> even if it's scatter vision <laughs> yeah why not on that same day 98 maya releases her debut album and i just wanted to mention that because it's maya and oh she's just uh, a, a so national hot. treasure oh, she's crazy. not talked about enough as just like hotties from hip-hop hotties maya's up there and also is she still around is she still doing she, stuff she still does stuff and she's very single. Uh, she actually had a, a reality show. It was her, uh, Lil Kim, Chili. I think they were all on a boat. I think it was like Lil Kim's boat party or some shit. But VH1, you know, they, they freestyle themselves. You know, let's oh, let's uh, throw these 90s hotties in a boat. I would have loved to have been the captain on the captain stewing on that boat, Steve. And on that same day in 98, Soulfly releases their debut album. I, I never listened to Soulfly, but I do remember these shirts being worn by Perrysburg teenagers when we were in high school. Um, it's a little too heavy of metal for me. Uh, I, I got boundaries, Matt. I got I got borders and parameters. I just can't. Yeah. No. I'm good on that. I, there's like, there's always exceptions to the rules, Steve. There is some heavy metal that <clears throat> I can get into. I never 
listen to Soulfly. I'm sure Jordan had a Soulfly CD that we put on I'm once sure in a while. I'm sure he had that shirt. Oh, he definitely, you know, if not that, like a poster or koozie or some, <laughs> some white trash shit. <laughs> but yeah, Soulfly, then I, I don't like fucking like. <laughs> Like and what's weird is fart. it can be about anything. It sounds demonic, but they're like Christian rock bands that do that. It doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily satanic music, but I don't like it. It's not for me. This this song is about when Moses parted the Red Sea. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, did you just shit? Pharaoh! <laughs> now, any callbacks, honorable mentions, takeaways? Uh, I just got to give a callback to Walker, Texas Ranger, and just the longevity and the like of a show that to me is i just it, i can't it's not good steve it was around a lot it happened i don't get chuck norris's notoriety or fame because to me he just looks like a guy who coaches a soccer team for his son in the suburbs that may take a kung fu class or two i don't get it okay i don't and that's all I'm going to say, Steve. I don't want to besmirch the Norris, the Chuck Norris, but Wait, I don't I get just, it. I just learned something new about you, Matt. You really do not care for the one and only Chuck Norris. And that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Steve. I mean, Bruce Lee clowned his ass. He ripped his fucking chest hair out. Okay. He ripped you it don't out. Fuck with Chuck Norris. I don't fuck with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, we know our boundaries, Steve. Yeah. But we or also so know, I, I think I know secretly that you do love Sandra Bullock. I'd fuck her. I'd fuck her. Like, you know, I wouldn't kick her out of bed. I just wouldn't watch her movies. Let's be very clear on that. Yeah. What? Remember that? What was that guy with the, the hillbilly guy? We used to have like a saying. Remember we did that interview with that guy and he was like, oh, you know, I want to fuck Mary Kill <laughs> Uncle Jesse too. I want to fuck, I want to fuck Mary Kill Uncle Jesse. <laughs> yeah, that's. Now, my my only uh, callback is uh, in 1995, when all of those movies premiered in theaters, the Boston Celtics uh, had their final regular season game at the Boston Garden against the New York Knicks, 98 to 92. They would eventually have their final final game on May 5th of that year in the, in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, this is their final regular season game. And it's historic, man. Uh, you know, that's the house that Russell and Larry and McHale and them built in Auerbach. They used to, they were selling pieces of the floor of that place to the like, parquet. you know, yeah. that shit looked cool back in the day though. I remember like watching sports intermit, just like their stadium and their, you know, setup they had. I was like, damn, that shit look, does look cool as fuck. I always liked the parquet floor because it was different. Nobody else had that. Old um, school. It just looked like, you know, it just, it looked classy almost, you know, no, but then it had Larry like Bird's here. fucking grungy ass running around sweating on it. So I don't know. I, maybe that's worth money, you know. Uh, his his jockstrap sweat for this, five million. This piece of floor touched Larry Bird's scrotum when he was stretching in pregame one day. Ten thousand yeah. dollars. Leave it in room temperature. You still smell his taint. <laughs> you smell his scrum. Please like, share, subscribe, comment, and. Spotify has this feature where you can add stars. Put five of the motherfuckers up for us. Please also listen to Over the Culture, Crush Gasm, B3F Podcast, Don't Worry, Be Movie, and Pop Culture Who Nanny. This is Steve G and Maggie with Happening in the 90s. 90s. Ah, bitch. <laughs>